Welcome to the Gaining Momentum Podcast with your hosts, Abby and Megan. This is the podcast where we try our best to parent our kids for the world we want them to grow up in and the world we live in now. Hey everyone, welcome to another mini-sode of Gaining Momentum. It's Megan here and I'm joined by Abby, as always. Just uh, come in to check in a bit and talk a little bit about some of the things that have been going on this week and after um, our episode released last week, some of the feedback we've gotten and we just like hanging out. And so as always, we find the time to do that uh, here with everyone. Abby, what's up? How are you feeling? What's going oh, on over there? Well... Today, as we're recording this, it is Monday, August 24th. Mm-hmm. So now Jacob Blake is the name that we are all familiar with because he was yep. shot seven times by police officers in Wisconsin. Yeah. So in this moment, it's still a bit too new and raw for me to fully process, but I did want to just take a second to acknowledge Jacob and his family. And I didn't mention it off the top, but I'm pretty sure that without me saying it, we all know that he is a black man. And I say is because what makes the story different from the countless other ones that we've been hearing for, God, it feels like forever, but I guess it yeah. really has been forever, Eternity. is that Jacob survived the shooting. He mm-hmm. survived seven bullets to the back. And my hope is that by the time this episode goes up on Thursday, that he will still be among us and we'll still be able to call him a survivor. Yeah, I echo that as well. Um, we're just once again, sitting in a place of not so much shock, which is something we've talked about in the past, but definitely horrific appall. Um, yeah, I'm exhausted, sadness. Meg. I'm yeah. exhausted. And it's just, it's just creeping in and my mind is exhausted. My body is exhausted. Mm-hmm. And again, I just feel like I just need to lie down and sleep while my body and my mind try to catch up and figure out what's going on and process mm-hmm. what I've been reading and what I'm feeling. And so... Uh, one of the ways that I've been doing that is just uh, shutting down and watching YouTube videos. Yeah. So I've been watching Hot Ones. Have you ever watched Hot Ooh, Ones? Yeah, I love Hot Ones. Yeah, Hot Ones um, is a show where they eat progressively hotter hot wings. It's a host, Sean Evans, uh, with a celebrity, and they do 10 hot wings, and he asks them really insightful like really well-researched questions. Yeah, he's a great interviewer. You will see the reactions progressively change uh, depending on the person's spice tolerance level, (laughs) heat tolerance level. It's a good show. I recommend that one to anyone who is interested in just sort of like quick 25-minute videos. Yeah, it's how I learned about the Scoville scale. Yes, Scoville. I just, the one I watched was Drew Barrymore and she, I guess, had done her research on the Scoville scale because she kept saying like Scoville 1912. Yeah, so her and my eight-year-old are Scoville scale obsessed. <laughs> I was also watching, have you been watching any of the Twins the New Trend videos? No, tell so me more. There are these twins. Their names are Fred and Tim. I almost said Fred and George, but that's Harry Potter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Weasley, uh, they have a joke shop in Diagon Alley. And, <laughs> and yeah, there are these twins and they live in Indiana, I believe. And mm-hmm. so they just record themselves watching videos that they've never seen before. So like most of them are like videos from like before um, their time. Yes. Are they the two that listen to the Phil Collins song? Yes. Yes. Oh, they're amazing. It's yeah. It's such a simple, but genius concept for yeah. a series of videos. Oh, it's brilliant. And like, I probably watched that, um, 
that Phil Collins video, like mm-hmm. when they're listening to what's it called? Feel it coming uh, in, in the, the air. air tonight. In the air tonight, yeah, for the first time. And I think it's just Feel like, it coming's the weekend, Meg. Oh yeah. <laughs> I feel it coming. Oh wait a minute. I feel like a lawsuit. Yeah, please stop singing songs every time, Meg. We're going to get sued if that's I how know. this works. I can't help it. This is not uh, podcast karaoke. <laughs> but, like, the level of joy that they exuded, that, you know, that, like, tight drum line, the peak of the song. Yeah, the peak of the song that comes, like, five minutes in. Well, it is. And it reminds you that it truly is a jam, though. Yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking today because I watched them watching I Will Always Love You, Whitney Houston. Oh, my gosh. I cannot believe they have a site. This is, like, I've just lost the next three days of my life. Yes. And, like, they didn't know even, like, they were like, oh, that's what Whitney Houston looks like. Mm -hmm. I was like, damn, these kids are young. Oh, my gosh. That, like, kind of makes me sad. Yeah. And then I also watched them watching Janis Joplin, Peace of My Heart. Oh, yeah. And just like to watch their appreciation. And I was like, it's cool how some songs just stand the test of time. Totally. Like they hold up. They're like, I mean, and that's how I felt even about that Phil Collins song. I was like, oh, yeah, that one's a banger for sure. They get to experience this for the first time. Have you been listening or reading or watching anything? What have I been doing? I feel like I'm still like primarily listening to like lots of podcasts and we're, I think we want to talk about one of those podcasts yeah, later on do. in the Minnesota. Oh, I've been um, dying to talk to you about this. It's been so hard not to I message know. you about it. <laughs> um, but we've both been listening to Nice White Parents, which is a New York Times podcast. And it really like ties in to like a lot of the, obviously like some of the themes that we've been unpacking, especially in the last episode and the next episode that's coming. Um, so I'll just put a pin in that for a second because I know we want to talk a little bit about that, but um, like a lot of it about it, (laughs) a lot of it about it. And we've only listened to a few of the episodes so far, so I'm sure we'll be circling back on this, but I've been watching like, like old stuff, like X-Files and like Scrubs, like just to like go to sleep. Yeah. Totally random. And like Scrubs does, does definitely does not hold up. Oh, that's upsetting. Yeah. It's just like, it's still like kind of funny and silly and absurd but like okay. the politics of scrubs ah, okay. i'm often like oh that doesn't hold up in 2020 which is interesting because scrubs isn't that old isn't it just like 2000s wasn't yeah, it totally. even in the 2010s could be yeah it it just like i hope what it says is that we are like making progress because there's things that have that jokes and just like things that are like racist or like transphobic or homophobic and like the like they just don't hold up in this moment. Like it's just like not pal. Like you know, it just doesn't yeah. feel like it feels like we're in a place where that's not funny anymore. Oh, good. Um, okay, good. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting to go like circle back on something like Scrubs. It's, I think hey, man, it's okay. We don't want no Scrubs. No. Right, hanging out the passenger side of our best friend's ride. <laughs> I feel like we should have a longer conversation at some point in our podcast run about like problematic favorites. So like, <laughs> yes. you know, like things that were like, I like this and it's comforting and I watch it and like that can all be true. But then we can also still be like, and here are the things where it's very deeply flawed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure at some point I'll do like a Dawson's Creek rewatch and, <laughs> and oh, realize God. that uh, I, in fact, do want to wait. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I don't know. That's what I'm doing. Um, we've also had like some pretty cool interactions and engagement around like our episode, which we released yeah, last week. That's what I've been doing. I've been getting psyched about our gaining momentum community and like, reading and thinking and listening and learning from you guys. Yeah. yeah it's been really awesome. Um, 
lots of like lovely feedback about the conversation and um, I know on Instagram we put out a few prompts to get mm-hmm. people to kind of think a little bit about some of the questions that we were asking each other and, and also so, just yeah like it was interesting know to see what other people are doing about staff too we did have like a couple of little themes emerge which were mm-hmm. sort of interesting mm-hmm. we are noticing that like a lot of parents are really trying to normalize conversations around race yeah. and racism which is so great to see so great to see and it means like having big conversations when there is something very high profile and visible Mm -hmm. um but also like latching on to the small moments too and not just waiting for something huge and momentous to be able to have the conversations yeah exactly it's like it should be a part of everyday life um everyday conversation wherever we have Mm -hmm. little moments to like sort of explore equity and unfairness and those and difference Mm -hmm. um it shouldn't just be something that people of color are thinking about all the time. Absolutely. So I just want to say like a shout out to our gaining momentum community for having these conversations and making them a normal part of daily life. Cause you know what? Your kids are going to thank you. My kids are going to thank you. Meg's kids will thank you. Definitely. And hopefully, yeah, we can continue to ask for better because it's not okay and we're done with it (laughs) yes and speaking of being done with it i am ready to move on to nice white parents because i'm literally bursting at the seams to talk to you about this yes oh my goodness okay so do you i think i said literally bursting at the seams i'm obviously not literally (laughs) bursting at the seams like i'm fine guys call an ambulance (laughs) so do you want to give like a little like without like spoiling or whatever but just like a little recap about what it's about Yeah, uh, it's about a school in New York that was predominantly, the student body population was predominantly Black and Hispanic. Mm -hmm. And then there was a reporter who was looking into the school becoming integrated. Mm -hmm. Um, She's making air quotes in case anyone was wondering. Yeah, integrated. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's right, right. Thanks, Meg. Yeah, Um, I got you. And so she was looking into it because... I guess in, it's in Brooklyn. Yes, Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. the schooling options were becoming a bit too crowded and competitive for the uh, upwardly mobile uh, white students looking to enter into middle Mm -hmm. school. And so it's kind of the story of how, yeah, this school suddenly became a hotspot. And with that, all of the changes that occurred. There's so much to tease out there. And like, it's it's We're both like the, my big summary is like it's school gentrification, yes. right? 100%. So it's like even it's like it's the show because we've only Abby and I've committed to like listening to it together. So we listened to a couple, the first two episodes, mm-hmm. and now we're talking about it, and then we're going to continue on, and we'll probably talk about it again because it aligns so much with like the things we're discussing in the podcast. And it's just like so far, it's a very well told story because it's just a five episode podcast. So yeah. it kind of has a beginning, a middle, and it, well, I'm assuming it'll have like a middle and then like it has an arc. Let's start with episode one. Okay. Okay. So in episode one, or as I like to call it, Extreme Makeover School Edition. <laughs> so we meet the players involved, particularly Rob and Aimee. Aimee is the head of the PTA at IS 293. That's the school, the public school where this is all going down. Uh, Rob's the head of the new fundraising committee. And he spearheaded the drive to get IS-293 to create the dual language program. So like the French language Mm -hmm. program for his kids and their fellow white classmates. Yeah, for sure. Um, And so in episode one, 
I think mainly the high points were that there are dramatic PTA meetings overtaken by the fundraising committee. So the PTA essentially was like the parents of the kids who already were attending the school. So the parents of mostly the black and Hispanic student body population. And then the fundraising committee waltzed in with these nice white parents. And the fundraising committee formed a foundation with the goal of raising 50 grand that school year. But they never make it clear whether any of that money will go to anything outside of that uh, French language program. But the episode, I think, served as a very good case study of how white privilege is sown and reaped. Mm. The Kind of the insidiousness of it and how parents pass it down to their children. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the phrases that kind of characterized that most for me was that I may describe the feeling of being saved against her will. Yeah. Which is you know, maybe don't save someone if they don't want it and they don't need it. Yeah. I kind of felt this episode, you should come for the incredibly tone deaf, but also glamorous fundraising gala that kind Mm -hmm. of reminded me of a scene out of Gossip Girl. Mm -hmm. And then you can stay for the many instances of secondhand embarrassment (laughs) when the nice white parents repeatedly show ignorance of the diversity of lifestyle and circumstance that they're so loudly claiming to champion. Mm-hmm. So yeah, cognitive dissonance all around. That was episode one. Um, episode two um, kind of continues the themes that get introduced in the first episode. But um, what's cool about episode two is what they do is they actually jump back in time. Mm-hmm. And they take the time in the second episode to demonstrate that this is not a new trend. Mm-hmm. So um, this sort of guised nice white parent uh, performative thing of wanting to uh, participate in school integration dates back, you know, like to the sixties and seventies within this same school district and even within this same school Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. really it's, they, they really take us through like, just, just sort of like really interesting, like paralleling, but really what they're doing is teasing out like the behavior themes of parents who we're talking about as like quote, nice white parent who think that they want integration, but when it comes down to that, when it comes down to it, they, they want to feel good about thinking that they're performing morality in a certain way and that their mm-hmm. politics are something that they, they are aspiring to the, for them to be, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality of the behavior in the end doesn't match what's being purported, I guess. So it kind of goes through the history of like all these folks within the community engaging in a letter writing campaign to integrate the schools during, I can't remember the exact um, like temporal moment, but like think Mm -hmm. like mid sixties. So when some of this stuff is actually happening, like nationally, these parents are advocating because they want to see diversity and they want to integrate with um, others in their community. Mm -hmm. But the fascinating thing is when it comes down to it, like pretty much the majority of the parents who wrote letters advocating for that integration never sent their kids to that school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they do like go through some very specific horrific stories of um, the things that were happening in the schools for kids of color during that era. So schools that were like quite segregated when they talk to some of the, some of the folks that had written letters and then never sent their kids there. So white parents into like an interview for this podcast uh, it's just really interesting to hear them reflect on like the decisions that they made and why mm-hmm. really um, coming to terms with their own supremacy. Right. I think it'll be interesting too, as we go and continue listening and discuss it further, 
also what kind of role we think that uh, Hannah is playing in this too, right? Because she's a yes. little bit of the puppet master. So I think like, we'll, we'll hold on to that for now because it's only two episodes deep. But yeah, yeah. we'll want to talk about that, I think. And just while you're talking about Hana, like, I'll just share one of my takeaways because it's, it's actually about her. Okay. Um, she's talking about in the beginning of the first episode doing like, like, she's like really kind of part of this machine too. And she's really, yes. really reflecting on her own role in it as a white parent who lives in this neighborhood and like doing like school shopping, all this like stuff that's a little bit unusual for us as like Canadian parent but anyway she's talking about um going and doing these middle school tours Mm -hmm. or maybe even elementary I can't remember exactly but she says she quote I quoted her she says something like I've never felt so aware as my power of my power as a consumer like as a white parent in public education she is a commodity as we learned in the episode like what does that do to the community and um, what are the impacts of that but so that was interesting to hear her even reflect on her position in it and then talk about it in the language of like consumption yeah capitalism totally i think my (laughs) one of my big takeaways um this was particularly well i guess it kind of was from both but i hadn't quite realized that when white children are sent to school that's made up of mostly visible minorities then Mm -hmm. Well, so I guess those children are not the minorities in that school. In this situation, the white children would be the minorities. But the parents don't consider their children to be the integrators. They look at it more as an opportunity for their own children to be surrounded by diversity in the most superficial of ways, as opposed to their children being the diversity that's being provided in that scenario. So I thought the use of the word integrators and the use of the word diversity and kind of how the meaning was twisted to suit their needs was interesting. Mm-hmm. That's super powerful. Hey, it's like changing the semantics tells us a lot about how people position themselves in mm-hmm. those relationships, right? Yeah, regardless of the situation that they're in. So I'll just kind of share another one that I had. I really was kind of also hit in the face by this kind of idea throughout the second episode that leans on like the power of mothers specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say the power of mothers, it's like the power of mothers to be tremendous advocates and change makers mm-hmm. on one hand, but on the other hand, the power of mothers to be incredibly, incredibly harmful mm-hmm. because they really shared some of the history of like something I actually didn't know a lot about, which was this uh, movement called Freedom Monday national walkout of mm-hmm. um, walk, having kids walk out of school on this one day to, to demand better school conditions. Like, what were their demands? Like, such an incredibly basic Well, things, that was right? one of my takeaways, so I'll throw it Ooh. in here as one of yeah. my takeaways. So Perfect. there's a woman named Mae Mallory who was mm-hmm. instrumental in um, wanting integration for her children because the things that she wanted her children to get out of integrating mm-hmm. uh, into white schools, she wanted books, certified teachers, a full mm-hmm. school day, and flushing toilets. These yeah. are the things that she was hoping to get out of her children going to school with white kids. Books certified teachers, a full school day and flushing toilets. Like, yeah, let that sit with you for a bit. So like incredibly powerful, um, you know, the way that they were able to mobilize people. However, this event basically gets very little media attention. However, the counter protests that involved white mothers, far smaller in numbers and um, participation, However, got tons of media attention, was like a massive, you know, massively covered event. And their protest basically results in like integration not happening, right? Their counter protest like received in the way that like it undid the protest of the other side of that discussion. 
Yeah. So I was just like, oh, that's fascinating. And we're still kind of there too, right? And it links to that first episode around like the power of white parents to like kind of bomb in and like get what they need and what they want um, without really having to consider like the needs and desires and perspectives of those folks that were already there that are, um, you know, parents of color. Yeah, I'm just going to say right now, I'm having mic issues, so I'm going micless. So if anyone's noticing a change in the sound quality, that's what's happening. But no worries. Um, it happens. way is pretty basic. Just that I have no interest in ever attending a PTA meeting because they sound way too dramatic for my liking. <laughs> they definitely sound pretty wild. Um, it's an interesting site to get to sort of like explore that and the impacts of that. Um, this school gentrification that's happening where like people are coming in and then pushing like f not even pushing folks out but pushing them to the sides so that they can feel nice about like being a part of something that they think is moral but really at the end of the day they're looking to still be the be at the center which is actually probably a good segue into what our episode three will be we will be discussing allyship and white privilege which is something that nice white parents ties into. Maybe more of the privilege than the allyship is what we're seeing so far, but definitely performative allyship. Big time. So we're looking forward to having that chat. If you like what you just heard, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you find podcasts. Gaining Momentum is written, produced, and edited by Abby and Megan with music by Evan Dysart and podcast art by Katherine Katja. And a special thank you to our podcast mentor, Belle, from the podcast, Thirst World Problems. Thanks, Belle. Thanks, Belle. And if you want to find any more info on any of their work, please check out the links in our podcast description.